0: Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Now, go ahead and ruffle the papers. Good morning. Hey, I'm just checking out my story here.
1: I mean, man, life. That's disconcerting when you hear this in the background going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear it. How you doing today, Zeb? I'm good. Good. Our, I hope. Everything's warm enough for you. Just warm. We uh, played on the river yesterday a little well, bit. I was not invited. Well, your phone was busy.
1: <laughs> Might have been, but uh, I heard you start up the boat. Oh, okay. okay. Well,
0: next time we go, you're going to have to come down and go gonna, for a
1: ride. You're going to have to promise
0: that. All you right. live right on the river, don't yeah. you? Yep. That's what I thought i have been by your place. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, between Burley and Deklo, yeah, yep. beautiful area. Love it over there. Yeah, so in the river it changes a lot of depth right through there, doesn't it? Well, it does because on my side of the river, there's a stretch where it's quite deep, and it work, and then it swings over to the other side, and, and it's quite shallow. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so it's there's definitely a channel. Yeah, really. Okay, um, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the Alamo. Oh, one of my favorite favorite parts of history. And so the question is, was there a coward at the Alamo?
1: Now. History has uh, changed things a little bit. It has. And uh, there was supposedly a coward at the Alamo, and then there was also a couple of people that were told they could leave. (sighs) Okay. well,
0: We're going to talk about this guy. okay? Okay. So let's go back to March 3rd, 1836, and that one man decided to leave the Alamo and escape a certain massacre, and a massacre that actually took 182 men, and they, they knew they were going to get killed. Mm-hmm. So, March 6, shortly after 9 a.m., General Santa Anna, President of Mexico, rode into the courtyard of the mission of San Antonio. The last shot had just been fired. The last bloody bayonet just withdrawn. And all about him lay dead bodies. They hung from the walls. They lay across cannons. They were up on the rooftops. But all the defenders, 182 Texans, Tennesseans, British, Irish, and Scots were dead. They were all dead. But don't you think this would be an appropriate place to also
1: mention they, those 182 defenders of the Alamo, they took a huge toll on Santa Ana. 1,600. Yep.
0: They killed 1,600. And these were the top, these were the elite Mexican uh, uh, army. But the surviving Mexican soldiers, were they were spent. They were tired because they'd been fighting since midnight. That's they'd right. been going all day long right. in that heat. But, you know, although it had been bitterly fought for and, and expensively attained, there's never been any doubt of the outcome. But there was, for some reason, there was really, really no joy in their victory. Uh, for some reason, they just... Uh, How could there be? Yeah. How could there So be? with all the dead, you know. Anyway, uh, in fact, there was a fellow by the name of Francisco Alcade of San Antonio, and he identified the bodies of the Texan leaders. Okay, He found the commander, Colonel William B. Travis, lying across his canyon, cannon. James Bowie was on his cot in one of the upper rooms in, in the barracks. Uh, surrounded by dead Mexicans. And uh, after considerable searching, he found Davy Crockett. David Crockett, and he was found at the entrance to the church and, again, almost buried under a pile of the Mexican soldiers. Let me ask
1: you right there, though, Doctor, uh, with all the historical, so-called historical reports of what happened and who died, where, etc has history uh, kind of collided with Hollywood? Is everything that we see and hear uh, fairly
0: accurate? You know, it's been a long, long time since I've seen... The movie about the Alamo, and I I really don't remember. So, you know, I go by things like this where I feel like this is an accurate depiction of what happened. Now, there were uh, some survivors that were permitted to live. There was a Mrs. Dickinson, and she was wife of one of the officers, her young daughter, and two servant boys. And they were spared. Now, at Santa Anna's order, all of the rebels' bodies were sandwiched with layers of logs and then burned. So they cremated all of the body. And, and that part was in
1: the uh, 1970s portrayal of the Alamo okay. with John Wayne.
0: And then uh, uh, the 1,600 dead Mexican soldiers were buried. And actually, they threw some into the San Antonio River uh, for whatever reason. I don't know, but... Uh, I think they kind of wanted to erase this part of history. Yeah. So, anyway, through the succeeding years, historians searched for information concerning this final onslaught, and they found, you know, there's some... Kind of biased opinions, especially if you take Santa Ana's own official report, which is quite inaccurate, according to the history. And he was a coward. Yeah.
1: Yeah, at the end.
0: Yes. <laughs> there's another whole story about yeah, that. Yeah, not kidding. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, even the identity of all the Alamo defenders is kind of indefinite. There's monuments bearing their names, one in San Antonio and one in Austin, Texas. And there's actually different names on each uh, plaque. But during the 50 years, uh, evidence has been uncovered confirming as a fact that uh, a legend that one man left the Alamo just before the last attack. And that's the guy we're going to talk about. So his story uh, has kind of become a new page in history, which records in detail events immediately preceding the final assault by over 5,000 Mexican soldiers against this little mission, 182, 5,000 of the best Mexican soldiers.
1: It it makes you wonder how, how could 182 people stave off
0: for, what was it, 13 days? Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. But anyway, his escape through the Mexican army lines across miles of hostile country to his home in East Texas uh, is described, and newly discovered actual court records and letters tell of his life, his attempts to live after he deserted the Alamo. And it wasn't pleasant. But the Alamo had been, uh, as we said, 10 days under siege, 10 days of hope for relief uh, or assistance. And, you know, at last the men within its walls were informed that, you know, it was hopeless. Uh, Their commander, Colonel Travis, he's assembled all of them in the courtyard and for the first time revealed the facts. And this is the thing that stuck out in my mind about that old movie. Okay, In a stirring speech, he told them that the opposing soldiers were the cream of the Mexican army. No assistance was coming to the Texans, as none was available, and it was too late to accept Santa Ana's surrender terms. Right. So Travis said, uh, said uh, an escape was impossible. Uh, but he said uh, a lot of you would be uh, slaughtered uh, if you tried to leave, and his personal decision was to die fighting in the Alamo. Now, here's the thing that I always remember about this. He drew his sword, Mm -hmm. scratched a line in the ground across the courtyard. He asked that those willing to stay with him cross the line, and it was kind of a tense moment. Absolutely. I mean, knowing if you stepped over that line, you're, you're done. You're done. Yeah. yeah. Now, most of the men were not Texans, some not even Americans. They were hunters, traders, farmers. A uh, few were soldiers. Uh, one was a professional politician. Yeah. None wanted to die, but it was obvious that something projected by Travis's speaks, compelled them to cross the line to accept the inevitable death.
1: You know, and right there, if you put that in terms of today and how the American mind has changed in this country for what we live for, died for, and hold
0: in great reverence, I wonder how many people would stay today. That's a great question. And, you know, I've read a lot of war stories about our soldiers even today in Iraq, Afghanistan, and there are truly... Amazing, brave Absolutely. brave yep. men,
1: yeah and uh, but if you took a potpourri of the people that were at the Alamo, like you said, politicians, hunters, uh, people that were not military, right how were many,
0: willing to, how, how many would stay yeah, and you know bravery is something we don't know about until we are confronted with a situation Amen. and I don't know how you are, but I've always pictured myself as being, yeah, I'll be there. I'll I'll be brave, but but you have to be confronted with the situation right, before you can say right. Okay, so one man resisted this appeal. He was the only man remaining on the far side of the line, and he was overcome by his emotion. He sank to his knees, buried his face in his hands, and he had decided to try to stay alive. Okay, mm-hmm. his name. Louis Moses Rose, that's his name. We're going to talk to, I'm going to just call him Moses, Moses Rose. Okay. He was actually born in France in 1785. Um, he, it was a turbulent time. He actually, uh, this is the time of Napoleon, and he actually joined the French army and uh, uh, to fight with Napoleon. Uh, he was in the army, and he stayed until Napoleon was uh, deposed. Um, And later, he was actually expelled from France and immigrated to the United States. And he made his way out to Louisiana, where he spent a few peaceful years. Now, Louisiana's western neighbor, which, of course, is Texas, uh, was at that time part of Mexico. We know that. But it was inhabited by a rapidly growing colony of Americans. And as the American population increased, so did their desire to be independent So several minor revolutions had been attempted, but were quickly squashed by the Mexican army. I mean, Santa Ana had the best of soldiers. So in 1826, one of these revolutions managed to get the town of Nacogdoches. Been Did I there. say that right? Yeah.
1: Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches. Yep. Been there many times. Okay. Yep.
0: Uh, which was then the largest settlement, actually, in Texas. Yep. And in the arm, uh, so in the army was the French veteran Moses Rose, and he was recruited in Louisiana, and the uprising was soon put down by the Mexican troops, and Rose found himself again mustered out of another army. Now Rose decided to stay in Nac- Nacogdoches. And eventually became employed uh, by a guy, and his duty was to maintain a freight wagon between Nacogdoches and, now help me with this one, Nakadouche. How do
1: we know? You're, yeah, but how do we know all the uh, different entries in history about this man? I okay. mean, how did they get this all recorded about okay, him? Okay,
0: I'm going to get to the end and I'll tell you how that happened. It's kind of an interesting way that this has been recorded. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. So, anyway, he carried mail between these two towns and probably the most responsible position he ever held in his life. But in 1832, he joined another Texan Revolutionary Army and was placed under the command of Colonel Jim's, Jim Bowie. Oh, my. Okay. And with this army, he again marched to capture Nacogdoches from the Mexicans. The Texans were victorious this time. They drove the Mexicans out of town. And at the close of the battle, Rose was one of a group of 20 men under uh, Jim Bowie who were ordered to pursue the retreating Mexicans. Okay. So this guy was, in okay. his past, a fighter. Yeah. Okay. So just before nightfall, they found the enemy, and the Texans opened fire on him, and the Mexicans took cover, and they returned the fire. Three Texans were killed. The next morning, the Mexican commander, thinking that he was besieged by the entire Texan force, he surrendered his company of 310 men twenty to, to, to 20. So it became widely known that Moses Rose had distinguished himself in this action. So, you know, here he is, one of 20 that bring in these 310 guys. Yeah, really? So, anyway, his part in the battle also resulted in his becoming a good friend of Jim Bowie, um, which later drew him into the Alamo. Well, after the fight from uh, for Nacogdoches, uh, Moses Rose settled down uh, to a domestic life. He put down his gun, picked up an axe, he went to work in a sawmill. Eventually, he acquired some land and actually became a settler. Did he have a family? No, uh, he did not. He never married, according to what we have here. But once again, the war drums began to roll in about 1835, and a call was made to all Texans to enlist in an army, to drive the Mexican army from San Antonio. Right. Now, I've never been there, Zeb, but that's on my bucket list. I want yeah. to get down there to the, to the Alamo. It's a beautiful city. Okay. It is a beautiful yeah. city. So, anyway, Rose joined his old commander, Jim Bowie, and marched with him to San Antonio. Now, Colonel Bowie assumed command and moved all of his followers to this small mission at the edge of town. Rose unrolled his bedroll inside the walls of the Alamo. And so thus this Frenchman found himself at the scene of his last part of a small revolutionary army uh, representing kind of an unstable government. I mean, it was this was kind of a... What do you say? Unstable time in with the army, the government. Absolutely. So, well, there was
1: the fight for independence away from Mexico. And and, uh, quite frankly, there were a lot of people that were Americans, per se, that sided with Mexico at that time.
0: Yeah. So this was kind of a questionable whole thing here. But, you know, the fall of the Alamo has been told a lot of times. And the important fact of the siege is that, mainly we know, 182 men withheld an army of over 5,000 for about 10 days. Mm. Santa Ana was determined to obliterate this makeshift fort. It wasn't a fort, you know. Oh, it was it, a church? It, yeah. It and he was willing to utilize his entire army to do it. Uh, to take this, and again, pictures, and you've been there, I guess, but it's yeah. a small, small... Oh, yeah, place.
1: it's nothing... I guess Hollywood has made, made it, it a lot larger bigger. than it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, anyway, after seven days of bombardment and attack, the new Alamo commander, which by now was Colonel William Barrett Travis, right? he realized the end was near, and this is when he made his speech, right. the famous speech. And, right. again, that's the one that stands out in my mind as a historical... Uh, event, but anyway, so here's Moses Rose standing on the other side of the line and Jim Boyd looked at his old friend Rose and he said, you seem not to be willing to die with us Rose, and he said no, and he was really emotional you know, this was tough, he says I'm not ready to die and I will not if I can avoid it so, you know, you can't hardly blame the guy in some respects in some respects, right? Yeah. now Davy Crockett was there And he stared at him and he remarked, you may as well conclude to die with us, old man, because escape is impossible. Now, consider they're surrounded. Absolutely. Okay, so how are you really going to escape if you really want to? Yeah. Anyway, at mid-afternoon, in full view of the Alamo, this mid-afternoon, during the day, in full view of the Alamo garrison and the Mexican pickets outside, Moses Rose climbed the Alamo Wall, On top, he was momentarily stunned at the scene of death below because the ground was littered with dead Mexican soldiers. But anyway, he managed to jump down off the wall and he headed west to the San Antonio River, which I don't think is too far from there, is it? Uh, No. Pretty close. No. Anyway, he waded across the shallow ford. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Right there,
1: uh, a lot of people are probably saying, where were the Mexican army at that time?
0: Yeah. Uh, and that's, Why didn't they stop him? And that's something I'm not quite sure how he managed this. Okay. Well, of course, he wouldn't be wearing a uniform.
1: Well, they didn't offer any uh, amnesty or any uh, no nothing to these
0: people. No, but somehow he waded across the the river. Now the Frenchman suddenly realized that he was in full view of some Mexican pickets. So they must have been kind of scattered around a little bit there. But instinctively, he turned into the town of San Antonio, which offered the only immediate shelter. Now, the Mexicans unaccountably allowed him uh, to go unchallenged. And they think partly is because this guy was kind of a dark-skinned guy, kind of swarthy-looking, and and he spoke Spanish. And so I think maybe they thought that he was uh, Mexican. And that's my only conclusion as to how he was able to get through. Amazing. Anyway, he hurried through the old plaza. Rose was aware that the town seemed deserted. All the doors were closed and no one was on the streets. And about a quarter mile out of town, he... Uh, he heard the renewal of the Mexican bombardment on the Alamo. See, he knew they were they were getting hit. Right. So by now it was dark, and he was wandering through uh, uh, the dark with the prickly pears, and uh, he got pierced by these thorns. I mean, it, it was rough going. But in spite of this, he kept going. And I know we're getting out of time here, Zeb, so I just want to finish this up. You
1: know, but, we might have to have a continuation well, next just, week I, with the, what happened at uh, the follow-up battle. Okay.
0: Well, yeah. yeah, I'll just continue, uh, finish up his story. But, you know, he, uh, he kept walking, and most of the homes in Central Texas had been deserted. By families because they were trying to get away from the Mexican army. Well, Rose stayed at several of these vacated cabins, and it was several days before he finally managed to get to a home that uh, had people in it. And when he made his next stop, it was at the home of a guy named Zuber, and he startled his friend by being alive because they thought he was dead. Now, this is where the, the, uh, how we know what happened, Zeb. At the Zuber's uh, home, Rose received his first care for all the uh, thorns and stuff that was in his legs and one thing another, but he told his friend the full story. Now, Mrs. Zuber had him repeat the account until she had it memorized word for word. Okay now, some months later, her sh- her son William, released from the Texas Army, returned home and was told the story and he promptly recorded it and left the only written record of what had happened on the third and last day in the Alamo, as told by this man uh, the, the this Frenchman. Moses rose.
1: So basically, we can be almost like ninety-five percent sure that uh, what happened happened. Right.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, the bad thing about this guy is that there was a lot of people that were upset with him because they feel like he they des- he deserted, they deserted. Yeah. their husbands and their yeah. sons, and he was abused basically by the people somewhat. And um, anyway, he made his way back to Nacodochus, and
1: uh, he'd have been better off to leave the area. He entirely. really should have, yeah.
0: um, you know, and uh, he actually died penniless, uh, he didn't have any money, Yeah, uh, you know, he must have wondered a few times, you know, did I make the right decision, uh, and ironically though, his name is actually listed on some of these monuments as being a, uh, one of the people killed at the Alamo.
1: I did not know that. Yeah,
0: and... Uh, Really, the only place that's accurate is his gravestone uh, in a little place called uh, between the towns of Alto and Rusk, Texas. Ever heard of those? Probably tiny places. Yeah. Anyway, there's a, it, there's an inscription on the marker. It just basically says, Moses rose. And, and that, that's it. That was his story. And When did he die? Do you have that? Um,
1: the bo- the Battle of the Alamo was 1836. Yeah, and I was just curious. Uh,
0: 1860 looks so. to be about the time that he died. So about 24
1: years later. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yep. I'll so. be darned. Moses Rose. Yeah. And, again, when you think of bravery, you know, well, here's three guys right here. Yeah. Jim Bowie, Davy Crockett, and well, Travis. What about, quickly, I've
1: only got a minute, and then I've got to do a commercial break before the bottom of the hour. The claims against Davy Crockett. And his attitude at the Alamo. You've heard these stories. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I tend, you know, I'm. I like heroes, you know? Yeah. And I tend to think that Davy Crockett, I sang his song all the time when I was a kid. Davy, you know, Davy yeah. Crockett. And Jim Boy. I mean, yeah. you know, these guys just uh, are heroes in my book.
1: I like to think so too. Doc, thanks. That was an excellent report on that. Thank you. Let's do the follow up next week as to what happened at the Battle Let's of San say. Jacinto. I've got that. Okay, good.